Hi, um, I'm Helen Antrobos. I'm a curator and a historian of early 20th century political women, which is a bit of a mouthful. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting being a historian at this time because, um, as a lot of people say, if you don't learn your history, it often repeats itself, which seems quite apt for the situation our country's in at the moment. But um, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to go back 100-odd years and talk to you about the suffrage movement. Um, so when I came here, when I was asked to speak here today, um, I kept thinking about the phrase women died for the vote, so you must use your vote. And can I just see, by a show of hands, how many women have, have, been, have been told that? Yeah, I knew it would be a lot of you. So many people, actually, not just women, I should say. Um, and I thought about, yeah, women die for the vote, so you have to use your vote. And I was thinking about, well, the, who are those women who died for the vote? Did we think about who are the women behind that certain phrase and, and you know, what they stood for and what they represented, or are they all just grouped together in one? Um, and I know a lot about the women's suffrage movement because that's my job, but, but not many other people do. And even though it was the centenary last year and we celebrated and we put some statues up and there was loads of stuff on the telly about it, we need to carry on talking about it because there's some really important lessons to learn about voting and about how to use your voice and your vote going forward. So when I started to put together um, my, my PowerPoint, because I'm a bit old school, um, I thought about a project that I did when I was working at the People's History Museum in Manchester. Has anyone been? Show of hands again. I've seen one, ha yeah, two hands, thank you. <laughs> um, and it's the home of ideas worth fighting for, and it's the uh, sort of Labour Party and working class movement history all in one museum. So if you're in Manchester, I encourage you to go. It's also got the biggest collection of political banners in the world. And one of them, which came into our collection in 2017, was this one. Um, it was in a charity shop for about 20 years. Before that, it had just been moved from house clearance to house clearance um, until it fortunately came into our collection in 2017. And it's the Manchester Women's Social and Political Union banner. And, you know, it's, it's there in big letters. First in the fight, founded by Mrs. Pankhurst in 1908. And it's a really important banner. It was made in 1908 um, for the Women's Sunday March, where over half a million women gathered in Hyde Park to listen to Emmeline Pankhurst speak. Now, one for, I promise you, this is my last show of hands. Who's heard of Emmeline Pankhurst? Yay, you all have. That is really, really good, but also not that good for what I'm about to say. Um, her name is there on the banner, founded by Mrs. Pankhurst, implying that she was first in the fight, although it was really the city of Manchester. And when I was thinking about this, well... <laughs> Is it Mrs. Pankhurst, who we all want to remember? And I bet none of you have heard of Elizabeth Ellen Chatterton, who was a trade unionist from Salford. She was a member of the Labour Party. She was a member of the WSPU. She embroidered this banner, and she cared for it right up until her death in 1960. And her name would have been completely lost from history if this banner hadn't have been found and her great-granddaughter came forward and said she'd been looking for the banner for 20 years. And it just goes to show that behind these big names, behind all the Mrs. Pankhursts, there's always an Elizabeth Ellen Chatterton. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about them in the time I have on the stage. Because these are the statues, the big ones anyway, that we have to commemorate the suffrage movement. There's Emmeline Pankhurst there in Manchester and Millicent Garrett Fawcett, who stands really defiantly still outside of Parliament. But they don't really represent the whole movement. In fact, they were two fairly wealthy white middle-class women. Um, and it's their names that have really gone down, particularly in public memory, not necessarily the history books. 
And it's these women who, who sort of define a campaign, who tell this single story narrative, that it was white women who could afford to walk out and leave behind their families and their jobs and throw stones and march and campaign. But it was so much more complex and so much more nuanced than that. And we think about intersexuality, intersexuality, intersectionality, sorry, oh, that's like the worst thing you can do on stage, isn't it? <laughs> intersectionality, diversity and representation we think of them as such contemporary words in politics. And this um, election campaign, we've heard them all spoken about so much, which is right, they should be. But they were also questioned and challenged 100 years ago when women were fighting for the vote. But we just don't hear about them. We don't hear about the complexities of the campaign. We don't hear about, we hear about the suffragettes. We don't hear about necessarily the law-abiding suffragists or the very democratic constitutional Women's Freedom League or the East End Federation of Suffragettes, which was set up by Sylvia Pankhurst to fight against for, for women's rights, to fight against race, uh, racism and to fight for um, equal and adult suffrage across everyone. So these were things that were still being talked about 100 years ago and it is a little bit sad that we're still talking about them today. But we just don't see it reflected back from history. We don't see it when we see these statues. We don't see Sophia Dalip Singh, who was an Indian princess and nationalist and lived in Hampton Court Palace, or one of the houses at Hampton Court Palace. She sold the suffragette newspaper outside Hampton Court. She refused to pay her taxes until she had political representation. She boycotted her census in 1911. And she was at Black Friday in 1910 when the 300 suffragettes were brutally attacked on their way to Parliament. We don't hear about her story that much. We don't hear about Rosa May Billinghurst, who's one of my favourite suffragettes, who helped design the trike that she would attend marches on and stone-throwing campaigns on that she still very much took part of. We don't hear about the police brutality against her when they clamped her wheels and picked her up and threw her out. We don't hear about these stories because they're not part of our public memory, because the statues we see are always of Emmeline Pankhurst, who is great still, but you know... We don't hear about Esther Roper and Eva Gore Booth, who, again, two absolutely incredible, the forerunners of Emmeline Pankhurst. These are the ones who got Emmeline Pankhurst into suffrage. Eva Gore Booth was an Irish poet and the daughter of an aristocrat and the sister of Constance Markovich, who was the first female MP but didn't take her seat. And then Esther Roper, who was a working class woman who was one of the first women to go to Manchester University on a scholarship. Historians have tried to say they were just good friends for a very long time. Yeah, they were just good friends who lived together for four years, um, shared a bedroom and were buried next to each other with a quote from Sappho on the grave. Um, and we don't hear about their stories and also the wide, complex LGBT histories that are embroiled in the suffrage movement. So I've showed you pictures of all of these people. So they are in public memory. They exist. And that's because, well, frankly, they were either notorious or they were rich. That is how they've had their photographs taken on all these marches. What these three photographs show, while showing the diversity of the campaign, don't show the foot soldiers who we will never know the names of. The working class women who couldn't afford to leave their families and who, as Hannah Mitchell, the famous working class suffragette said, had one hand tied behind them by their class. These were the women who, in 1918, when the vote was won, didn't get the vote because they didn't have a property qualification or they weren't over 21. 
And why is this the only picture from the 1911 coronation procession where we know suffragettes and suffragists from all the Crown colonies gathered to take part in a march against the newly crowned King Edward to say that they were still supporting suffrage? Where are the other women? Why is it just a small group of Indian suffragettes who have to represent a whole diverse um, spectre of women who were marching that day? It's because they weren't good enough to be on the pictures, frankly. <laughs> they weren't considered the highest. Emmeline Pankhurst's family didn't want working class women in the inner sanctum of the WSPU. She said Annie Kenny, who was a young working class mill girl from Oldham, was there because she was quite different from the other working class girls. And when she was sent to Parliament on a march, she deliberately dressed her in her clogs and her shawl so that she would gain sympathy from the other working class women who they wanted to take part in the campaign. They wanted these women to be their foot soldiers but they weren't giving them the investment and the time and the support to do that. At the end of years of tireless campaign of hurt, of trauma, these were the women who were still losing out and still not being heard. Now, this photo is a really famous, I won't make you do a show of hands who's seeing this again. Um, this is one of the most famous pictures of the suffrage movement. Um, I, last year I saw it, I think, on every BBC programme about the suffrage um, campaign ever. Um, but if anyone can tell me her name, I'll, I'll, I don't, I've not got anything to give you, gold star or something. Um, but no one knows her name. Her picture is used time and time and again to represent the suffrage campaign and how amazing it was. And everyone will always speak about Millicent Garrett Fawcett and Emmeline Pankhurst, and they won't speak about her. Well, her name is Dora Thulis. She was a 17-year-old factory worker from Leeds. She got on a train because she was so swept up in the suffrage movement and wanted to go and make a difference. This was her first time on a train. It was her first time down to London. And she was brutally... just kind of draw your attention to how her clothes have been ripped and where her clothes have been ripped. And it gives you an understanding of the assaults these women, these working women were subjected to, not only in the streets when they were arrested, but in the prisons as well, where they were incarcerated. And their voices were so important and they used their voices alongside the BMA, BME women who we know were there. This was a time when Britain owned, you know, almost a fifth or was beginning to lose hold of. But owning a fifth of the world. We know that there were women from the Caribbean here. We know that there were women from the colonies. And to say they weren't part of this movement or to hide them from this movement isn't right. We need to acknowledge the reason why they weren't there. And the reason why they weren't there is because they didn't want them there. So just to sum up my little suffrage rant here. This was a, a poem from Evan Boland, who, who she wrote it about the suffrage centenary last year in Ireland. And I was thinking about this as well when I was coming to talk today about the lack of representation that we see in the suffrage movement and how it's true that our future will become the past of other women and that because of so many of these women, the women who we see, the women who we don't see, even if we don't see ourselves reflected back, we know their voices were there. We have stood on their shoulders and we've moved forward. We've used the vote that they helped get us. We've used our voices in protest and in campaigning. But I think the message here is that we need to make our future as diverse, as representative, and as powerful as possible to become the past of these other women. Thank you very much.